Welcome to Restore, a Good Shepherd Bible Church podcast. This podcast is designed to help you better lead or engage with your community group conversation. Each episode will review last week's sermon and probe a little deeper in order to help you process your Christian experience, life in community, and work on mission. Thank you for joining me. This is Restore. Hey everybody, welcome into the podcast. I hope you're doing well and uh, ready for getting ready for community group. I uh, hope you're planning to attend and to give give of yourself, uh, maybe bring some food if that's what you guys uh, do. I've never known a good Christian fellowship that doesn't include food, but uh, you know, depending on the time or situation, you might you might not be doing food, but whatever. All right, well, let's jump right into our text. Uh, we are in Acts 12, and we have been discussing at nauseum uh, really the idea of uh, the, the two different distinctions of, of these kind of themes at work in the book of Acts. Uh, we have this promise of power that the world gives to us, and then we have the power of God's promise. And we have been seeing this all along, that how God chooses to work is from dead to alive. He works that way uh, to that extreme. And the the apostles and the early Christians are aware of this, being that close to uh, the resurrection of Jesus, but also just being Christians who this message, this gospel has been passed down. They are aware uh, that they are in need of divine and supernatural rescue. That's what they need. And so the world can't offer that. Only Jesus can. And that's what the early church began to be consumed by. And, uh, okay, so we're, we're in this passage here, and there's a couple things. There's actually three big things that we discussed that are at work, and they're all a little bit different. Uh, the first thing, we get introduced to this guy named Herod, and what we find out from him is that uh, though he is trying to live his life chasing the promise of power, uh, he's not, he's not going to end up getting there. And what we really see is that uh, his his power is actually pretty borrowed. Uh, that's the first thing we end up seeing. Herod turns to violence to try to get what he wants, and uh, he, he uses politics to try to get what he wants. There's a couple key uh, phrases that we have here that mention kind of this political uh, awareness that he has. Uh, there's there's violent hands that he's laying on the church. He already killed James with the sword. Uh, that's one of the, the sons of Zebedee. That's James and John. Those two are brothers. One of those apostles, James, is, is now dead. And he's really after pleasing the Jews. That's what he wants to do. He wants to please the Jewish mob. And, of course, he's, he's doing all this in the days of the unleavened bread, which would have been uh, kind of a, a well-attended uh, week after the Passover kind of ceremony uh, going on. And... Yeah, he he knows exactly what he's doing here. He's trying to please the Jews at the right time by persecuting uh, the Christians. And uh, when he arrests Peter, you can you can see he's a little nervous because uh, he kind of hedges his bets against this kind of divine rescue uh, with all the guards that he puts in place. But what we see here is that this guy's power 
is is borrowed. It's borrowed politics and uh, it's borrowed power. He leans on violence in order to bring himself peace. And we saw that really early on uh, with the with the Sadducees really uh, persecuting the the apostles. Man, they they did what they can to use force in order to give themselves some measure of peace, which is ironic, right? Uh, they institute chaos and violence and destruction in order to construct something of their of their own. And of course, they're trying to say that it's righteousness, which is crazy. But we do the exact same thing. Uh, all right, that's the first thing we saw, is that we have a very limited enemy. And this all comes to play, guys, because the reality is we're about to launch into a little discussion here on what it means to be enslaved and Peter is physically enslaved by uh, this kind of borrowed power this limited power Herod but we too let's not let's not confuse this this picture it is a picture it's reality but it's also a picture sorry UPS man's about to pull up my dog's probably about to go crazy all right calm down and uh, th- this this picture of Peter being enslaved to a false power or a borrowed power, well, we are the exact same way. We are in fear of condemnation. We are in fear of failure. Uh, we we place on ourselves and the world places on us this burden of um, expectation. Uh, you, you feel pretty pronouncedly this kind of uh, weight of judgment. And there's all sorts of things that we that we fear. And so in order to kind of shed those things, we we actually turn to power in order to to free ourselves to acts like we're free, to give ourselves this uh, feeling of, of being free. See, we are powerful. See, we're not meaningless. See, uh, we can escape judgment. See, we are right. Yep, here we go. Here we go. Sorry, guys. All right, all right, calm down. Calm down. I knew something, I knew something like this would happen. This is what I, Sasha, hey, calm down. This is what I get for doing a podcast in the middle of my living room. Hey, calm down. <sighs> Sorry. All right, so Peter then is enslaved, and he's in this jail cell, and all of a sudden, a light shines in his jail cell, and the angel whacks him on the side, and Peter has no idea what's going on, no idea what's happening, and uh, he finds out that it's an angel who's about to lead him out. His, his shackles break, uh, the door opens, and he is let out into the city. It's a beautiful, a beautiful scene. And uh, it, we see the, the miracle here in light of Herod's attempt to prevent it, Peter's lack of awareness, but also that divine and supernatural deliverance. Those three things really put it into the miraculous category. Um, and the, kind of the funniest of it is really Peter's unreadiness. He's not ready for it, not asking for it. In fact, he's asleep. We talked in the sermon that you know Peter should probably get some props for being asleep on the night before he's more than likely about to be executed. Uh, that's that's some good gospel rest at work there. Um, but yeah, we, we talked about God's deliverance is always in his own timing. It's totally by God's grace, and it's always better than we expect um, or can anticipate. Uh, and that's the nature of our salvation. Our, that's our entire salvation uh, pictured there uh, in this, this rescue of Peter. Um, and the reality is, those things that we fear and then overcompensate for uh, in order to help us mitigate this idea of being enslaved to judgment, fear, criticism, fill in the blank, meaninglessness, futility, you know, fill in the blank with whatever 
uh, kinds of things you might be running from or the kinds of things that breed all sorts of uh, unwanted thoughts or behaviors in your in your own mind and heart. Um, these things that we feel like we're enslaved to, salvation in Christ, this divine, supernatural, miraculous rescue in Christ delivers us from those things. Uh, so in Christ, we don't have to fear failure. We don't have to fear uh, the kind of weight of expectation of the people around us or even God himself. We don't have to be uh, burdened down by the weight of judgment that other people might give us or even we might give us or uh, that the law might give us. These things are uh, these things are null and void in relation to salvation in Christ. Um, we have this clearly in Paul's theology uh, later on. But my friends, like I think the, the point of... Um, that picture of Peter being rescued is it's also a reality. Peter himself was rescued in the face of death. We too have been rescued by Christ miraculously in the face of death. It might be unexpected. You might not have necessarily anticipated it. Uh, You certainly have not fought through all the ramifications, and it certainly is way better than you could ever expect or ask or think. Remember, we get this in in Ephesians 3. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, um, that's the salvation that we've been freely given. Uh, And so those are are kind of the first two points, and those are kind of tied together. We have this limited enemy uh, who seeks to enslave us, and Jesus has set us free. And that's super, super encouraging. Uh, the third point that we brought out was really this call to prayer. We see this thrown in here into our into our sermon text uh, for, for last week. Uh, but the church is praying fervently for prayer, and you can't help but connect the dots that the church was praying. They were actively, fervently praying for Peter, and then Peter is delivered. That is uh, well in line with uh, Old Testament and New Testament teaching, uh, certainly within our theology of prayer, that when the church prays, God moves. God has always been at work through somebody interceding. Uh, we see this all along the way with uh, the, the prophets. Uh, we see this most importantly with Jesus himself. Without somebody in between representing uh, and interceding for man in the face of God, we, we're toast. We're toast. And we have the church here as Christ's body interceding for Peter and Peter's delivered. That should not be surprising, though it should be glorious, but not surprising. So we see our call to prayer uh, in light of in light of this example that we have here. As Thomas Watson uh, so poetically put, the angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. And that's really a helpful uh, theological understanding of, of what happened uh, here. So the, the things that the church is actively doing in this story, which is really helpful, uh, first of all, they, they pray. They pray fervently uh, for those who are in bondage. We too must pray. Let, let us be a people who pray for those in spiritual bondage. Uh, secondly, they receive those who have been freed. Even though Peter knocks at the door and they don't really believe him and there's some faithlessness going on uh, in the heart of the people, they're, they're not expecting him. They actually tell Rhoda, you're out of your mind. Uh, that's not Peter, the one that we're praying for. We're still praying for him. Come and pray with us. Come do holy things with us. And she's like, guys, it's really Peter. Uh, some, some funny moments there. But they do receive Peter. Uh, and then Peter says, hey, let me tell you what happened. But then I also want you to tell others what, what happened. And so we see... Uh, them praying, we see them receiving those who have been freed, and then we then we see them proclaiming the gospel. 
And the fun thing about that is we get to watch the enemy scramble, this funny line out of verse 18. Uh, now, when the day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers for what had become of Peter. We see a little bit of the uh, uh, powerlessness or the limitedness of uh, our enemy there as well. So uh, he, what, what for us? Uh, you know, for us, it's really important to think of the things we have been freed from. Um, this is a perfect example of our own salvation uh, and so it wouldn't hurt you uh, to, in your community group, talk about the things that you feel constantly enslaved to, uh, the kinds of things that you run to in order to give yourself this feeling of um, of deliverance or salvation or power. Uh, we talked a couple little scenarios uh, on, on Sunday. You know, for instance, for me as a parent, uh, it's very it's very easy for me to really want control. And what I mean by that is I really just want to be able to come home. I want there to be peace. Uh, I love my children. I love my wife. But honestly, like if I could have my way, uh, they would all be serving me. I know that sounds extremely selfish, but you're there too sometimes in your sphere of life. But it's also me, certainly. Um, And man, when I don't get my way, I act out. I act out. And I feel like in one sense, like, man, I'm constantly enslaved to this own to, to my own thoughts of control. And so what then do I do? It's easy for me to bark at my kids and get upset uh, with Nikki for my expectations weren't met. And, you know, I, 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 I desire control. And so then I, I try to exert control in order to get what I desperately want. And I can easily feel enslaved to that. It's a constant cycle that I give myself to. Well, what is it for you? And then Certainly, most certainly. Talk about how the gospel frees you from that. What are the aspects of your salvation, of what Christ has done for you, that help free you from this burden of control? Why don't you have to have control? Uh, we, we talked about the scenario of, um, of judgment. Maybe it's from your boss or from your teacher. You know, you're, uh, now it's at the, the time of exams and you're finishing up a semester. Um, you know, that's a heavy thing to deal with, you know, this grade reflects who I am and that's going to either cause some sort of self-righteousness or some sort of judgment. And you might feel like you're in a vicious cycle of this all semester of how you're performing, how you're doing, how you, how are you in the eyes of your professor? How does the gospel free you from that? What sort of miraculous, divine, better than we expect things has Jesus done in order to bring us uh, freedom from, from those things? And then last, uh, it's low, 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 low hanging fruit here. How can you pray? Who can you pray for? Who are those who are also in bondage? Certainly, uh, we give ourselves to this false bondage. Uh, we're, we are set free, but we often go back to our slavery because we like our sin. Uh, but who are those who are, who are trapped in sin, who aren't free in Jesus? And can you pray? Can you take some time this week to pray? Uh, for those who are in bondage. Take good time to pray for them. In fact, if that's all you do, that would be a wonderful um, application from from this sermon is to just say, guys, we're going to give ourselves to to prayer here. We're going to pray. We're going to receive those who have been freed, and then we're going to continue to proclaim the good news of what he's done for us. All right, that's all I have for today. I uh, hope you have a great community group, and uh, we'll catch you on the flippity flop.